Welcome to the Practice Podcast, conversations probing the nature of practice. I'm your host, Dave Firon. <laughs> There's so many ways that I could introduce this conversation with Jiwei Wang, a former student, of course. Yes, that's what I've been doing in recent time, and I love it. I love having these where are they now kinds of conversations with former students because it's just in line with the theme of this podcast series, Conversations Probing the Nature of Practice. And that nature is human nature. So anytime I want to have a recorded conversation with a fellow human, I'm on the case. I am studying what they bring to themselves and out to the world when they choose something that they want to do better and better indefinitely. And that is certainly true of Ji Wei, who while she has been successful as a student, master's student, and now working in, in uh, as a technology practitioner in a fine company, her practice that I'm focusing a lot on in this conversation is being a mother, being a mother during pandemic, being a mother who works and has two beautiful children under the age of three. <laughs> so this is a different approach to practice, but it's definitely human. This is Ji Wei Wang. Well, folks, <laughs> I, I've been looking forward to having a conversation with Ji Wei Wang former student and wonderful person, mother, and also uh, working as an IT practitioner for a, a local part of a national company. All of that would be of interest to share with you. But what I'll have most fun with, I think, of all, is that once in a while during this conversation, we're going to hear a baby. And her name is Jiwei. What's the Ellie. Ellie. And how old is Ellie? She's four and a half, mom. Wow. And I know your other daughter because anytime you posted pictures of Emma, I would put words in her mouth for Facebook comment. <laughs> Probably under years. All very kind, hopefully kind words. But do you remember me doing that? Yeah, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, cooped up here as we are in the, during the pandemic, you start doing all kinds of things that you probably would have not had time for when we we're both working full time. <laughs> but as That's a, okay. Totally don't mind. <laughs> and Emma is now two and a half? Yes, two and a half. Wow. Wow. <gasps> wow. Well, one of the things I surely want to talk to you in regard to practice is the practice of being a mother, a mom, um, what's the Chinese word for mother that the girls would use? Mama. Oh, wait a minute. I know. Yeah. Is that, is that universal? <laughs> yes, mama. Mama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I've learned something already. <laughs> and your, ma your mama is, is here from China to initially to help out with the birth of your uh, second daughter. Ellie, mm -hmm. and uh, she's still here. So she's probably making it such that I won't hear too many baby cries during this conversation. She's probably bouncing her on her shoulder. <laughs> uh, well, 
folks, when uh, this young lady came to my office just at the beginning of a course I was teaching called Introduction to Management, imagine that. <laughs> But of course that was, she came to my office and I hope I'm not making this up now uh, and said, uh, there's an awful lot of writing in this course and an awful lot of talking in teams. And I just came recently from China. And while I do speak and write English, I'm afraid that I won't be able to do well in this course. And I said, of course not, get out. And I took you off the right now. But do you remember coming to my office with nerves, nervous, mm -hmm. a little nervous yep. about the way I taught? Mm -hmm. Sometimes I don't get your jokes at the beginning. And I always treat every single word that you said very serious. And I get nervous. But <laughs> after all these years, now I know you. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think the purpose of jokes are, other than me being just a little silly? Do you see that they might have some way of making a connection if they're if they're relatively kind jokes yeah of course it actually relaxes the atmosphere and also i remember when i did my first internship with ds construction you came in and you told me you were gonna give me a c for the <laughs> for the intern <laughs> and i was scared and also nervous so you told me to prove you how I could get an A for the internship. <laughs> that was a joke, right? But at the time, uh, I was very nervous. But well, you know, I I've, I can admit now that it, it, it I've got to be more careful. Be, even today, <laughs> my wife who has been married uh, to me for 50, <laughs> 57 years and has known me since the fifth grade, still gets irritated when I try one of my one of my jokes. Uh, uh, and she just uh, said, no, you've got to be careful because not everyone gets you. And, uh, and I thought with you, because you were so polite and had been used to a different kind of teaching altogether than what I was doing, uh, that that um, might have made you turn on your heel and go take uh, another section of the management course with someone who was just lectured so you could take careful notes. But you didn't. You stayed. Do you remember much about that class? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's been so long. Please yeah. don't quiz me. <laughs> <laughs> what do you remember off the top of your head about that class? Because it connects to what you're doing right now. Mm. It's been it's been a while. Teams, you organization, and definitely communication. Mm-hmm. Writing, speaking, uh, dealing with things, um, what I call exercises, where I put you guys mm -hmm. together and say, figure this out. You've got 50 minutes mm -hmm. to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, guest speakers, do you remember that? Yes. People coming in from companies like the one you're working for now, <laughs> Capital Light, Jackie Garashi, mm -hmm. Garashi um, and uh Heather Ulrich and several others. So yes. what I was trying to do back then is what I think you made the very serious commitment to do to come and and earn a bachelor's in business here in the US. And it was because I, I wanted you to get used to what it'll be like in the work world, where mm -hmm. while some people have the title manager, which you're well aware of, 
everyone is managing all the time in regard to how you decide what you're going to do in the next five minutes or the next hour or the next day, and then setting a course of action to, to make that happen. So that's what I was yeah. trying to do back then. So now you can tell me, do I get a C for my efforts in being your professor? Of course not. You get an A+. Plus. <laughs> but you can give me a C. It's okay. <laughs> right. At the beginning, I thought being a management major, one day I'm going to be a manager. I'm going to manage people. But the more I worked, now I feel like it's not just about managing people. It's also managing projects. Mm -hmm. A title manager, it doesn't mean anything you are learning as you go mm -hmm. nobody is gonna going to work and be like okay my first job is a manager <laughs> <laughs> no that's well put and and we do uh, uh these days live by projects a company like yours which is uh in the business of uh, distributing um electrical components of of many sorts particularly in your case lighting lighting systems for uh large clients uh like restaurant chains to having um, a local drive-in spot. So it's, it's, it's a very interesting business, but some people might say, oh, that's all you do is wires and switches. So what's well, a little bit about your experience in, in working there? How has it been for you? So I work in the IT group. I'm also a LAMP admin. So what I do is I look through our preview report every day and I update the LAMP guides. So customers will have most up-to-date LAMP guides when they go into our system to order LAMPs. Mm -hmm. And we also have other system that I'm not in charge with, but um, they all teach me a little bit backgrounds of other systems. So I'm not too um, unfamiliar with it. So there's a lot of learning in this so-called dull world of lamps. <laughs> of course, yeah, we learn as we go. Mm -hmm. uh, what in recent time? What was one of the big challenges you you think you faced? I think you mentioned before we started the call that you were short-staffed for that particular pr uh, part of the company. Uh, do you remember mm -hmm. what was one of the obstacles that you guys learned your way through to keep things going, keep the lamps lit, if you will? Um, we still have employees for the lamp department, but they try to cut the people who are the newest, so they don't actually have too much of experience of it. And a lot of our employees, they've been working there for more than 15 years. Mm -hmm. Some of them are been working there for 20 years, which is amazing. It so is. they, everyone is very familiar with our system and then they can take the main lead to get things going. But the point for them to having me back or hiring more people now is sometimes there are some tasks which just takes way more time if a salesperson going to do it. So if more people in the team and everyone can help, it gets things to get going quickly. Mm -hmm. which I think that's been working because if when two people are working on the same project and it ta only takes a couple of days instead of one person has to take a week mm -hmm. to do it, it's more efficient with more people in the teams. 
Yeah, and uh, while the pandemic was at its height and the shutdowns occurred, I understand that there wasn't as much demand for up- upgrading restaurants and department stores and all that. So the lighting demand, I assume, went down. Yes. Uh, it's, it's hopefully picking up now. Yes, right now we're very busy now. Yeah. And yeah. all the stores are open and they're trying to get new constructions. Yeah, things well, are going a lot better now. That's great. And uh, there was a hiatus in your career uh, where you went back to Central Connecticut State University and worked in our, our China Center, was didn't you? Mm-hmm. For, for Confucius a- Institute. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. How did you like going back to the school that you worked at so hard as a student? It was great. I was actually a graduate assistant mm-hmm. when I was a graduate student back at Central. And I was pretty much picking up the role. But as a university assistant, I've been working there part time for half year until the center closed in mm-hmm. July of last year and I switched to Center for Interna- International Office mm-hmm. and started working with the international coordinator who is May. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful person, May. Uh, yeah. who worked very hard when the Confucius Institute was established on our campus. And I'm kind of sorry mm-hmm. to hear it it closed, but um, many mm-hmm. things that have external funding, uh, particularly during the pandemic, just couldn't be sustained. Um, mm-hmm. But our international uh, graduate program probably also took a hit for a while because of the mm-hmm. restrictions of COVID travel and, and other uh, things. Mm-hmm. Right. A lot of study abroad programs, we couldn't run it because of the travel mm-hmm. policy. And the campus was closed mainly, wasn't it? Right. Yeah. yeah. So that was a bit of a discouraging time. Uh, so what you did is went ahead and had two wonderful daughters. Yeah. <laughs> Just to keep yourself occupied. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> had two COVID babies. <laughs> two COVID babies. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> well uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about what I told you uh, that Peter Vale, who got me started on this uh uh, pondering of the nature of practice. He, he once said that, Dave, oh, by the way, one of the practices that really fits our way of thinking of practice is being a mother uh, because it takes uh, indefinite commitment, but also many changes and adjustments that have to be made almost sometimes by the hour. When your daughters were infants, the changes in them and what they needed from you probably changed very rapidly. Now, maybe they sort of smooth out, but what, how, how do I ask you? <laughs> I'll just ask you, uh, what is it like to be a mother on the best days and the difficult days? Definitely the second when they were born, I feel very moved. Mm-hmm. I had two different feelings with both of my daughter. When Emma was born, I feel strange because she was born and I was looking at her and I'm just thinking to myself, okay, so this is my daughter. (laughs) (laughs) I was nervous. Right. I didn't know how to do anything. I didn't know how to change the diaper. I didn't know how to hold an infant because they're so soft. But when Ellie was born, 
I feel connected because I have a daughter at home. And at the time, we really wanted another daughter who's just like Emma. And luckily, they are exactly the same. Sometimes when I look at their pictures, they look exactly the same. And even their hairs are the same. They all like stick up. <laughs> <laughs> I remember yeah. Emma originally. She she looked like she had yes. electrical shots coming out of the top of yeah, her head. That, that's Ellie as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you perceive a difference though in personality? I mean, four and a half months is not much personality emerges, but do you sense no. that there's a difference? I feel like I feel it's very miracle to being sisters because sometimes when ellie is crying as long as emma goes over and tells her it's okay emma's here ellie stops crying so i think it's definitely some connections between sisters that's wonderful to observe yeah yeah now do you speak both um uh your chinese Chinese and english and the girls can learn both right emma mainly speaks English because she goes to daycare, Mm -hmm. but she can understand Chinese. When I speak Chinese to her, she'll react to it, but she'll just use English to respond to me. (laughs) (laughs) I have to work on that. Uh, Well, it's lovely if they can have a be bilingual uh, from a cultural Mm -hmm. standpoint. And it also, I understand, really helps with brain development if if you're uh, learning uh, uh, two languages. Now, uh, the the adjustments that you and John had to make, uh, you mentioned daycare and, and so forth. What is that like um, to take your small daughter because you at that time went back to work and mm-hmm. put her in the hands of daycare workers? Uh, it, it must feel, and thousands of mothers do it, so I'm not singling you mm-hmm. out. But that is, it's a different kind of part of your motherhood, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Right. At the time, I had a two months of maternity leave, and Emma had to go into daycare when she was two months old. I couldn't stop crying the first day she went there. And ever since after she went to daycare, every single day she is sick. Mm-hmm. She always has a stuffy nose, and we've been to pediatrician every single week. And every time they tell us, it's fine, kids get sick, she'll get through it. As long as there is no fever, she's fine. But at the time, it was really tough. Sure. That's why when March of 2020 hit, when COVID just started, I decided to be a full-time stay-home mom with her because she was only six months old, and I really don't want her to, don't want anything happen to her at the time. Of course, of course. Yeah. Now, during the time you were staying at home, you were at the beginning of where Emma was learning a great deal more about life, about language, about herself. It must have been kind of fun to watch her explore things and find out mm-hmm. things. And you were there right, to be a primary teacher. Yeah. yeah, every single step I'm watching it. And yeah, I didn't miss anything. And I'm very happy about that, Yeah. I guess. Some good uh, part of COVID. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, the incomes changed when people had to make that commitment. But the benefit of being there when in these critical months when your child is very young is is you can't money can't touch that. You know, mm-hmm. you can recover money, but you can never recover that time of their right. life. Right. Yeah. And uh, now, 
with with Ellie, it's different though because you've had the help of your mother. And it's, mm -hmm. was she was she there in the in, with Emma for a while too? She was with Emma for two months, and yeah. she went back China. That's yeah. when I started to work, and Emma went to daycare. Yeah. Yeah, but now she's there. Does that help? a lot oh yeah of course um at least um, ellie can stay home until my mom goes back to china so yeah. she's gonna be home until she's almost one yeah. yeah yeah and now i wonder if your mother is sneaking a little chinese language into ellie's mind <laughs> because she would like this if she's gonna be one she'll probably have more of an ear for chinese than than emma mm -hmm. yeah yeah, my mom only speaks Chinese, so it's all <laughs> Chinese to Ellie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, it just—it's so delightful, though, because I can still, re you know, I'm going back like the old, the old professor. You were—you're in a single woman when you came to my class. You had come from a whole other half, or all the way around the world, and then when you finished your bachelor's degree, which you did very well with a very solid. Uh, what we call GPA folks, uh, you wanted to stay in the country. And the only way you could do that was to continue to be a, um, a student. So you and I talked about that. Mm -hmm. And we picked out that the operations master's degree at our school might work for the way you kind of inclined to, to see things in the world, that you like to see things and how the processes work, projects, all of that. Uh, and so you were admitted to that program. Uh, I was very happy that I took that program, technology management. A lot mm -hmm. of the concepts that we learned are all about lean management. And mm -hmm. I think everywhere needs it. Mm -hmm. If, like when I was at school, it was just a concept. But when I started working at the company, you always think, okay, how can I make things better? How can I make things more efficient? So mm -hmm. one of the things that we do now at my company is um, I have to manually put the lamp tracking information on our website so customers would see the tracking number. Mm -hmm. But that's also something that we're working on in this year because when we buy online shopping, they automatically send us an email about our tracking number. Why do we have to physically sit there and waste half of our day to put in the tracking number every single day? Mm -hmm. So that's so one there's, of the things. So there's waste, and, and waste yes. uh, in the lean mind, it, it, uh, waste is, uh, <laughs> I think the unpleasant word is muda <laughs> that the Japanese use uh, to, to, to describe uh, things that, you realize no longer have to be done and you can take a step out of a process. You can certainly save money and time is mm -hmm. money and you mm -hmm. can increase your, your accuracy. Uh, so that if one person was a little lazy and typing in a traffic number and put in the wrong digit, mm -hmm. <laughs> right. there, there goes, there goes, the would, <laughs> would get the wrong information. Right. Yeah. Now there's a kind of an interesting contest though, that you're living directly, uh, and that is the onset of, of artificial intelligence and other uh, applications of computers that it can be used to replace uh, unnecessary human function. That's the one side. The other, however, is that humans tend to like to be employed. <laughs> and not yeah. only employed, but they like to, 
like to use what their capabilities are. And you're kind of working in the middle of that. On the one hand, you can see the pleasure of uh, reducing the tedious and possibly human area error kind of work that the technology can replace. But on the other hand, well, they say one day, oh, well, we don't need that third person anymore. We're all set. We can work with two. So what do you think about that? Uh, are humans going to win? I think that's the big question. I think definitely no one can replace human because system is fixed and the human, we are more, we, we can see things. Everybody have different mindset. And when different people come together, everyone's going to have their own opinion, which system or technology can never replace. Hooray for humans, <laughs> but you're absolutely right. <laughs> absolutely right. Uh, we can see things. We can understand things in different ways. And we can change much faster than, uh, even though they say that the artificial intelligence is agile and lightning's fast as far as uh, making plan changes, it's the unplanned and the uncertain and the lots of uns that I think gives us humans a a chance at being being useful in, in employment. So my point is, hooray for uns. <laughs> <laughs> and parenting, let's go back to that. While there's a lot of things that you folks do that I'm aware of because you, you sometimes publish, uh, post your family celebrations, the girls' birthdays, and so forth. There's a lot of a role in tradition, and there's a lot of role in keeping things as, as normal and disciplined for the, for the girls' upbringing. Mm -hmm. But there are surprises, too, and uncertainties that you need mm -hmm. to be uh, on, on tap for. Uh, what, what are the sorts of things that keep you surprised about being a mother? Um. I guess I am, so at the beginning, definitely, I have no idea what I'm, I was doing. So that's a so. huge surprise, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. this little life in me, we have to get along for the rest of my life. Yeah. Right. And sometimes, especially night times, making them sleep. And mm -hmm. also during different months, they have their sleep regression. Um, my older one, Emma, she now has her temper and sometimes she just does not want to do whatever I ask her to do. And I, I keep on thinking to myself, what kind of mother I want to be? Do I want to be the mom that yell at my kids and do punishment, time out for mm -hmm. them whenever they make a mistake? I've never did any time out or cry out with Emma because I, in, in my deep mindset, I feel like, okay, I, she is my daughter, but also she had no choice of who is going to be her mother. I feel like she came to this world nakedly and see this woman and 100% rely on you or trust you to love her for rest of her life, which is amazing. She came to this world and just rely herself on me. So every single time when I think of that, I just feel like you choose me. So I'm going to be 
a good mother for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it doesn't rule out being somewhat strict in certain ways to help someone mm -hmm. get some get a little sense of uh, what my boundaries are. That we we mm -hmm. we teach the kids their boundaries. Mm -hmm. uh, but I loved what you just said. Uh, it was beautiful uh, for both of your daughters because the the abundance of trust that a, a child gives us is um, is the richest it's the richest reward I think we get in our lives. It's very hard to feel that you're not meeting their innocence and their trust. But uh, boy, it even now as a parent of fifty some year old. They still trust that I'm the, I'm going to be there, as will be my wife, uh, no mm -hmm. matter what, no matter what, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, right. It's 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 probably thank God one of the ways we've kept the whole world together in being mm -hmm. a parent and the children uh, for the whole of life. Mm -hmm. Right, and the same thing with my mom when I um was giving birth to Ellie. My mom came over all the way from China in October of last year. She had to quarantine herself for 14 days in Dubai mm. before she even enters the United States. And now the current policy of traveling back China is you have to arrive at the departure city seven days before departure day mm. and do three times COVID test and they do another blood test for IgM and IgG mm -hmm. and she's willing to do all those for me without complaining anything. Amazing. And, and <laughs> she has a life in China. It's not like she was mm -hmm. alone with his family and right. friends. And uh, did she, what was she, was she working in China when she came over? She did early retirement for me. Mm, there you go. Yeah. The satisfaction of work uh, is mm -hmm. something that she set aside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that, that's mom to mom. And now you're teaching your daughters how to be that way, too. Yeah. <laughs> what um, as we, I'm watching my time clock now, I, I, I wonder what you and John are looking forward to in the near future for your family. Um, definitely. So Emma is two and a half now. We want to introduce her some like interests, for example, like sports or instruments, if she's interested. We actually just signed up swimming class for her. Oh, great. So she's going to start to learn how to swim in um, June, at the end of June. We want her to explore as many things as she could and if she is interested we are willing to support her mm -hmm. so that's yeah, a big big next step right and long-termly we also want to do family trips at least once a year so all of us we either drive or fly somewhere probably drive this year because the little one is too young mm -hmm. but maybe drive to Vermont or somewhere that's not too close but also not too far mm -hmm. do some family trips and get our mindset out of the house mm -hmm. <laughs> i think that's good for overall health <laughs> for all of you yes yes um but the if you have uh, achieved so much uh, there was a night when you had invited me to chinese new year dinner that your 
you were president of the of the China uh, Club at CCSU, and you invited me to the cafeteria. I think we were in one of the cafeterias mm-hmm. uh, to, to sample Chinese cuisine, and I sat at a table uh, with a, a nice young gentleman, uh, and we were chatting and chatting. And then you you came over. You were very busy, and you came over, and you kind of said in a very <laughs> a very shy and quiet way, "Oh, yeah." He's my boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> so you take it from that moment <laughs> where you reveal that he was your boyfriend to the day of a home. You both have good jobs, beautiful kids, uh, caring parents. I say you're really developing a wonderful life for uh, your family. I still can't believe I came to the United States in 2013, mm-hmm. which is almost going to be nine years. Mm-hmm. I, I just can't believe it. When I first came here, I was this girl that doesn't even speak much English. Mm-hmm. I remember during orientation, like everyone greets to me and they say, hey, how's it going? Hey, uh, what's going on? And I didn't even know how to respond to that. And I get nervous. I say that to everybody. I'm not good at English. It's just the all the th- only thing that I say to everyone. Mm-hmm. And I don't have any confidence with anything. I feel like I couldn't achieve any of my courses because mm-hmm. I couldn't speak proper English. Yeah. And with with time changes, with I grew up, one day I realized, okay, so I have an accent, so what? It's not like I'm listening to my accent. I'm speaking no. to other people, so I'm just making other people uncomfortable. There you <laughs> so, go. There you go. So I'm like, okay, that's okay. As long as they can understand me, that's fine. Yeah. But it took me a few years to realize it's you don't have to speak a perfect English to mm-hmm. live here. No, and your English is much, much better than it was way back then. But Nine I, years ago. <laughs> but you know what you did? I mean, you could uh, have uh, reached back to your family in China and saying, oh, I'm a, I'm a failure. Uh, I'm going to raise some money and I'm going to buy a ticket and I'm going home and I'll finish the rest of my life in China. Did you... Did, you, why didn't you do do that? What made you fight yourself to say, no, I'm, I'm going to stay here, even if I'm uncomfortable for a while? I, to be honest, my parents do want me to go back to China because I'm the only child of theirs. Mm-hmm. But can, coming over here, making me feel like I really like the life here. Everyone is much more simpler than (laughs) in China, (laughs) especially when people talk. I like how everyone here, if they have a opinion and they will tell you. Mm -hmm. And I I like to be straightforward. Mm -hmm. And that makes people being better, right? Mm -hmm. And I sometimes feel living back home is a lot more complicated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when I had a chance, I really, I really like to see what I could do here. So I found, well, you actually introduced me to the internship that I did for Mm -hmm. DIS construction. 
and I worked at Confucius Institute. I've been working at the cafeteria since the second semester I was at Central. That's right. So all the working experience and all the classmates that I've had mm-hmm. make me feel comfortable living mm-hmm. here. And I started a family. And That's now right. That's we are permanently here. <laughs> Well, I I am absolutely thrilled that we have a chance to reconnect and that I could share in episode 154 uh, just a just a taste of what uh, you mean uh, to the world. You certainly mean to me as your uh, very proud former teacher. Uh, and uh, you know, maybe one day we'll be back away from COVID. You can take you you can find a way to get me back to my favorite dumpling meal because that's the last time we ate together at a restaurant of course oh really yeah it was i mean i have i've been in closet i i would i i don't know i've been fixated on dumplings we never have them but maybe we can get together over some some nice dumplings sometime wouldn't that be fun of course yeah i would love that Okay, I've already invited myself to a dumpling meal. <laughs> That's okay. I wanted to invite you too. <laughs> but thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. If you'd like to hear more, listen in on Spotify, Automatic, and Apple Podcasts, or go to inactionresearch.com slash podcasts page. And if you'd like to learn more about social inaction and the nature of practice, head over to inactionresearch.com for more information. Thank you for supporting this show. We look forward to hearing from you soon.